Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 102 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined by my co-host, as always, uh, the founder, president, editor-in-chief of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? Doing great, thanks. Um, I'm excited. This is... um well, for a couple of different reasons, I guess. We're tonight, Stanley Cup Finals starting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that looks good. And we'll, we'll talk about that a bit in the third segment. But we are, what, two and a half weeks from um, an October 6th and 7th draft and then free oh agency. And um, last week on the podcast, I said, make sure you're with us because something's going to happen this week. And, and, and it did. Uh Something happened. It did. Something happened indeed. Yeah. You, you were, you called that. I don't know if you have a crystal ball behind you there, but you definitely called that something was going to happen. Something did happen. And we're going to be talking about that momentarily. But Rick, usually we, we say this is the most wonderful time of the year because right about now we'd be prepping for a hockey season to start. But now where it's the most wonderful time of the year, because the Stanley Cup Finals getting going, uh-huh. and we're getting into the draft and free agency, which we all listen. Hockey fans, there are multiple most wonderful times of the year <laughs> for hockey <laughs> fans, and this is very much one of them. And this is usually a time where we're at the other most wonderful time of the year, getting ready for a hockey season. Obviously, that's not happening. So we have the draft and free agency, and as you said, there was a move that was made last week, um, just after. We concluded That's our podcast. Right. Uh, usually Mark Bergevin is very kind to us and makes his moves well in advance, just a day before if he needs to. Well, just he to knew give we had a full up. show. You know, we had a full show <laughs> That's already. That's true. We yeah. did. We had a full show. So I'll, I'll, get, I'll cut him some slack there. But he did make a move that we we're going to be talking about in just a few moments from now and giving you our reaction. They, uh, just to say off the top, the Montreal Canadiens acquired Joel Edmondson last week. We're going to be getting into our reactions on that and much more in terms of the conference call that took place this week with Joel Edmondson uh, much later. But that got us thinking about Mark Bergevin's entire tenure because he's made a couple of significant moves in the last couple of weeks, acquiring a backup goalie in Jake Allen mm-hmm. and now Joel Edmondson. Both of those guys winning Stanley Cups with St. Louis uh, just last year, 2019, Stanley Cup champions together in St. Louis. So with that in mind, we thought this was a perfect week. We've had this sort of on the back burner for a little while to go back and and discuss the top five best and worst moves 
made by Marc Bergevin during his time as the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. That's going to be our big topic for segment two. I'm You're not going to want to miss that. Yeah, the, I'm very excited for this because obviously there's a lot of different ways that you could go on this, and uh, I'm just really excited to get started with that. But before we get there, Rick, we do have... A lot of news that came out of this week, uh, mm-hmm. including what I just talked about with Joel Edmondson, but we'll be getting to that in just a few moments. We'll start off with uh, some really great news. Uh, Victor Mete, engaged to be married. Uh, congratulations are in order for this uh, to, to he and his soon-to-be wife, Courtney. Uh, it was If you've seen the post on Instagram, it's on Victor Mete's Instagram, and the Montreal Canadiens also made a post about it. Just fantastic news and, and sort of news like this that we need during a year that's that's been a little bit of a struggle for for, you know, in terms of what you see in the news. This was a really happy story. Very happy. And congratulations to uh, both Victor and Courtney. And and the the post was was beautiful. It was yeah. he proposed um, on a dock uh, with the lake in the background, kind of at dusk. And and uh, uh, Courtney said that they're. Uh, it was it's their most favorite place in the world and uh, both families were there so he proposed in yeah. front of uh, the families uh, Victor's 22 years old they've apparently been dating since uh, 2012 um, Wow so um, yeah uh, congratulations um, and he's got this piece of business done now now yep. now he needs to he's a restricted free agent so yep. he's got to get his agent to work on uh, the other piece of business and that yeah. is uh, getting his uh, future uh, secured with the Montreal Canadiens yeah but obviously yes uh, wishing him and Courtney the absolute best of fantastic news this week uh, great to see and yeah congratulations to Victor Metze and both families as well uh, who were there on a, as you said a beautiful uh, beautiful place to be uh, to uh, propose um, so moving on to some news and this is sort of in the same category of news that we talked about last week with Hayden Verbeek uh, the Montreal Canadiens loaned uh, Jesse Alonen to the Lotsy Pelicans of the Finnish Elite League uh, much like Hayden Verbeek and some of the other guys that have been loaned Expected to be at camp for the Montreal mm-hmm. Canadiens, but just wanted to get him some game action, and uh, he'll head back home to uh, his native Finland. Yeah, the Latte Pelicans in the Finnish Elite League. Uh, and um, we talked a, a lot uh, last training camp. It's training camp uh, usually in the critical dates calendar. This is training camp time. We talked about uh, Jesse Jelonen a year ago and how good he looked at training camp. Great skater um, and uh, wondered if um, he could challenge for a position um, this this uh, this next training camp, whenever that that is. Uh, but he'll be all ready to go um, after he has a, a bit of action with the the, the Pelicans. I haven't seen the mascot. I wonder what the, the mascot yeah. is like for the Pelicans. Um, but yes, he's uh, he's going to until um, the training camps of the Canadians and and the Rocket get underway. Uh, he'll have some game action under his belt. I was gonna say I love the name, by the way, because <laughs> you have in the NBA the New Orleans Pelicans, and this is a, a Finnish hockey team with the name Pelicans. I just I love that. That that should be used more often because the mascot is probably amazing. <laughs> so <laughs> for that reason alone, I love that team name. Uh, so Rick, we've talked about and we just made reference to a couple moves that Mark Bergevin has made in recent weeks. 
um, one of which was a trade for Jake Allen. Uh, but before the Montreal Canadiens, this is according to Elliot Friedman, before the Montreal Canadiens acquired Jake Allen from the Blues, they were briefly considering uh, uh, going out and acquiring Devin Dubnik, who, if you remember back to 2014, he was briefly a part of the Canadiens organization mm-hmm. before he had his whole sort of career uh, the, the trajectory of his career changed drastically when he signed with Arizona and was traded to Minnesota. Now, this this had all the, the earmarks of, um, you know, a complete rejuvenation, a complete rebirth. And, and uh, Stefan Waits, um, you know, status, resume as a guru would have been enhanced had the Canadians not let Devin Dubnik go at the time. They got him from Nashville uh, it was, it was, you know, quotes, uh, future considerations. It was believed to be cash. They sent cash to Nashville, uh, for Devin Dubnik. They sent him to the Hamilton Bulldogs at that time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, um, you know, had, uh, Stefan Waite been able to get him on track, uh, cause he, he was, it, it was a rough season. He was coming off. Uh, a, a pretty rough that 2013-2014 season was was pretty rough for Devin Dubnik. But after that, um, you know, he went on to Arizona and then and then uh, Minnesota. Um, just a remarkable um, and and the thing is that that before that disastrous 2013 um, campaign, he had three good seasons with Edmonton. He did, uh, yeah. and he was looking pretty good. Um, and it was, you know, Sean Burke, uh, we talked about this in the, in the pre-show, uh, uh, who's known for getting struggling, um, net minders back on tracks Sean Burke, uh, who is, is now a scout for the, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, played a, uh, played a role there, but, um, you know, had the Canadians decided to keep him on, uh, at the time and, and, uh, and work with him. Um, could he have been a backup? And, you know, we look at that, we look at what happened after Devin Dubnik. Uh, 2014, it, uh, 2014-15 season, it was uh, 16 starts for Dustin Tokarski. Uh, the following season, uh, Condon and, and Scrivens uh, were the backups, and actually uh, Price was injured, so Condon ended up playing a lot. Uh, 2016-17, Montoya. Um, 2017-18, Antiniemi, uh, and then Antiniemi was re-signed, and then uh, Keith Kincaid. It's, it's been uh, a revolving door, and the Canadians haven't got it right. Um, so, you know, what if, we'll just say yeah. what if uh, Devin Dubnik was able to get back on track and, and had, um, you know, been a, 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 a long-term successful backup for um, Carey Price. Yeah, things certainly could have played out differently. And I mean, as it is right now, the Montreal Canadiens decided to go with Jake Allen. You had Devin Dubnik. Uh, he, he struggled uh, last season a little bit. Uh, 890 save percentage. Lost his crease to Alex Daylock. Alex Daylock played all the games in the playoffs for the Minnesota Wild, the qualification round, playoffs, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> so he did not have a great year. Would have been a great time to see maybe if uh, Stefan Wake could rejuvenate the career of uh, of Devin Dubnik. But we will not be seeing that because they went with uh, Jake Allen in the end. Um, so speaking of Jake Allen, we talked about his former teammate, Joel Edmondson, who will be his teammate this season in Montreal. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens acquiring Joel Edmondson last week for a fifth round pick. And then they signed him 
to a four-year contract worth 3.5 uh, for an annual average value of 3.5 million. Uh, Rick, this has been a trade that we've we've heard a lot talked about Joel Edmonds in the last week, and we're going to be getting into some some clips from his his conference call, and we'll be discussing some of the things that he said there. When the Montreal Canadiens made this move, what was your thought process, and what is your thought process now that he is locked in for the next four years? Well, it's it's interesting because um, the when when this this off season began for Montreal. Uh, the wish list or the to-do list for uh, Mark Bergevin was much the same as it was last offseason. And that was backup goaltender, um, a, a first uh, a, a first pairing uh, left-handed defenseman, and um, a, a top six uh, a winger, a scoring winger. Um, and it looks like uh, the, the Canadians uh, or Mark Bergevin or the Brain Trust sees this a bit differently than the fan base because the fan base was saying, oh, we've got all this money, you know, and, and some estimates were, were pretty wild in, in the neighborhood of, of uh, $20 million to spend. Um, and we heard Mark Bergevin say he was going to be careful and he was going to be cautious uh, about his spending. And, and I think that's the way it's played out. Um, that they didn't get a, go out and get a, a legitimate first-pairing uh, puck-moving defenseman to play with Shea Weber. Uh, they went out and got uh, another Ben Sherratt, That's essentially um, paying him the, the, the same amount of money. Uh, he's, a, he's a physical guy. He's a stay-at-home defenseman. Um, he, he isn't a puck-mover by any means. Um, and, and, and so the Canadians are... are, are Approaching this much differently than uh, I think the fan base was was hoping. Um, what was the reaction? I I, I think it was, yeah, it was lukewarm. I I, I think yeah. there was some disappointment, um, but um, you know Joel Edmonston is a likable guy. Um, he's got that that uh, uh, cup experience. Um, yeah. He has raised his he, however he's played during the regular season. He's raised his level during the playoffs for yeah. a, a relatively young guy. He's got a lot of of uh, playoff experience um, with fifty three games of of postseason experience. Um, you know, and and uh, three hundred and thirty seven uh, NHL regular games, regular season games. Um, 649 hits, uh, 504 block shots, 18 uh, minutes and 15 seconds of average ice time over his career. Uh, the only thing I'm looking at there, that's, those are hard minutes. Those, those are, yeah. Those are, <laughs> those are wearing minutes. Yeah. Um, and, um, so, so listen, he's, um, he's not, uh, the kind of, if you're looking for, uh, an analytics uh, star, he's not yeah. the guy. He's not there at all. And Mm-mm. and the analytics um, are, are not pretty. Um, and in fact, if you look at Evolving Hockey, they put out some, uh, some uh, th- their regular charts, uh, and um, he, can f- he compares negatively to Carl Alsner on those. Carl Alsner uh, does a little better. Yeah. Um, and uh, so... It's it's the, the Canadians' vision seems to be different than the rest of the league. Um, yeah. You look at the 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 four finalists 
for um, the uh, the Stanley Cup, and and there's they play very differently. They're all very different teams. They except, are, except <laughs> except the one uniting kind of characteristic is they all have a really strong top four on defense. Um, they're every single one of them. They're uh, you know Dallas is big and mean and nasty, and they move the puck well and. Uh, uh, look at look at uh, the the defense that that the the Lightning have. Um, that Goodness, that's yeah. and and so you can understand that that uh, Bergevin and and Julian want to upgrade their defense, uh, but they seem to be seeing it differently than the the rest of the league and went away from uh, the puck moving. You, you can't necessarily call Sherratt or Edmondson. Or Weber, uh, prototypical puck moving defenseman, yeah. and uh, they just seem to take the view that they're going to punish their opponents and try to wear them down while playing a four line um, rotation that that also helps to do that. Uh, and and that seems to be again we we mentioned this the big heavy that that Claude Julian wants. Uh, you go back to that that behind the scenes sort of uh, mic'd <laughs> up interview in the 2019 draft, and yeah. and um, uh, Trevor Timmons says uh, we're going to get you some beef, Claude, and and Claude says you get me my players, um, and uh, so we know we know where where Claude Julian's preference lies, and this seems to fit with what he is looking for, not necessarily what the league is where they're going, but certainly yeah. his his style and his preference. Now, I, yeah, obviously I am, I'm not, I, I'm more of an eye test guy than an analytics guy. And part of that to me is where do players come from? Where are they developed? Where do they play? Where have they played? And what type of culture have they been around? And for me, the part of this that I really like for the Montreal Canadiens is this guy was involved with St. Louis uh, and, and their remarkable run in 2019 where they were remember back to, Oh, they were, they were in, you know, in the lottery and then they have their opportunity. They go on this big run, they win the Stanley cup. And it's the story that Mark Bergevin retells as the, the, you know, the false hope narrative to win a Stanley cup when you are, you know, occupying one of the lesser, you know, lesser seeds in your conference. But he's involved in that and that winning culture. He goes to Carolina involved with another good team with another winning culture. He comes here and he brings that with him. And obviously, I think the numbers suggest that he is not somebody that can move the puck very well. And the eye test will tell you that, too. And yes, he's probably not. He's not the analytic darling, like you said. But for me, I'm of the mindset that you need to walk before you can run. And for the Montreal Canadiens, specifically on that left side, they needed to go out somebody, go out and get somebody that could eat some minutes because you can't listen. The emergence of Brett Kulak in the playoffs was great because they needed somebody to step up and play some minutes with Jeff Petrie. That's probably not going to happen again. You are not going to get that type of consistency out of Brett Kulak. He himself has talked about how that consistency has been a problem for him in his NHL career with Joel Edmondson. You know what you're getting in a guy that will play that tough physical style and his, his him being involved in these cultures of winning, he's going to do the right things. He might not be the most skilled guy, but when you get guys that go out there and know what they need to do to contribute to winning, that is the thing for me that I think puts this move 
into a into a good category for Mark Bergevin. Obviously, we need to see how he plays because that's 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 going to ultimately say what what's going to be said about this trade is seeing how he plays as a Montreal Canadian. Uh, but for me, I mean, getting a guy because we had minutes, we had games where Ben Chirot was over thirty minutes in the regular season because mm-hmm. they didn't have anybody they could trust. And over twenty eight minutes, there's a certain category of defenseman that should play those minutes or can play those minutes. Ben Chirot's not that category of defenseman. So you needed to go out and address this, and and they did. Whether or not you think Joel Edmondson is, you know, the best option they could have got, I think is is obviously, I mean, you, you, you can say that there were better options to go out and get. But from a standpoint of bringing in somebody that's been involved in winning cultures, I think that this is a good move for the Montreal Canadiens. And you also get a guy that can eat up some minutes, which that that's huge. But ultimately, we'll put pressure on Jeff Petrie to be one of the only puck movers on your blue line. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And, and, you know, it's it's a big defense, but uh, I wouldn't call uh, Jeff Petrie physical. So you're going to get no. the physical play out of um, Joel Edmonston. You're going to get it out of Ben Schrott. You're going to get it out of uh, uh, Weber. And uh, let's not forget Alex Romanov will also yeah. be the other upgrade to the defense. So I think... Okay, on his checklist, goaltending, that's there's a check mark. That's complete. Uh defense, complete. And now that's that's not to say he still has to Mark Bergevin, that is, still has to figure out what he's gonna do with Alsner, still has to figure out if yeah. uh Victor Mate is going to uh, probably be qualified, uh and what he's gonna do on the right side, who's gonna fill uh, the 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 gap there, whether it's going to be Kulak with on his wrong side with uh, with Romanov, whether it's going to be Flurry or Juleson, those things still have to be decided. But as far as shopping, I think uh, the upgrades are uh, done there. Um, it's funny because when this happened, I immediately thought of Brian Flynn. Really? Yeah, like it doesn't make any sense. And I know my mind works weird sometimes. But if you think back to, and it was November 2014, and Brian Flynn, Brian Flynn, whatever, he played for, for uh, the Sabres. Um, and Brian Flynn, that November, um, he had a miraculous game against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, scored in regulation, and he scored in a shootout. Beat Sabres beat the Canadians 4-3. What happens a little later at the trade deadline? The Canadians go out and get Brian Flynn from the <laughs> Sabres. So what happens, I, you know, uh, I remembered that Edmonston had a pretty good game against the Canadians this past season, but I thought I'd look at uh, all three games that Carolina played against Montreal. Um, and interesting, like, let's, let's, let's look at, at who um, uh, Joel has played with, and he's played with Pretty good defensive partners. Oh goodness, yeah. Yeah, you know, Petrangelo and Pareko and and uh, Pesci and Slavin and um, so on October third, that's game one of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina beat uh, the Canadians four three in the shootout, opening game of the season. Um, uh, we had Edmonston on the second pairing uh, with Pesci, played nineteen minutes, three hits, two blocks. Uh, it was a plus one in that game. Um, Second pairing. Um, then we fast forward to New Year's Eve. Carolina beat Montreal 3-1. Uh, yeah. Edmonston was down on the third pairing, playing with Hayden Fleury. Oh, maybe maybe he has a maybe he can play with the other Fleury. Hey, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. 
maybe. <laughs> um, on the third pairing, uh, nineteen, but nineteen minutes. Um, so he was he was uh, bumped up uh, in the lineup. On leap day, um, so opening game of the season, uh, New Year's Eve and leap day, all kind of significant days. Wow. Uh, the yeah. two the two teams played again. Montreal four three in overtime, but Edmonston playing on the top pairing with Slavin is a plus one. Plays almost twenty three minutes, three blocks, one goal, one assist. And I think the Canadians, they seem to do that. They say, they note the guys like Brian Flynn yeah. that have played well against them. And uh, we're just going to make a note of that here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, listen, I, it's it's hard um, because uh, you look at him and um, he's an average skater. Um, you know, he's a puck off the glass kind of guy. He's... Um, as soon as he, you know, gets a bit of pressure, puck off the glass. So, uh, uh, not a, not a kind of guy to carry it out. He's not a necessarily a strong positional defenseman. He, he's kind of a wanderer. He kind of follows the, the play around, uh, puck around. Um, but he, he has the ability to block shots and hit and, and play physical and eat up minutes. Um, so we're giving a, you know, both sides here and i thought yeah. it was funny that uh tom uh i always get his name name wrong dom lusuition yeah uh, for the athletic the 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 analytics you, you try. guy that's i, <laughs> I, I don't try <laughs> so he's got a model he's got yeah. a model of all these inputs and i won't bother getting into it here but his tweet says and he he includes a picture of his model uh, where he looks at replacement value of the player and how much they should cost. And he has determined that over four years, over the four-year term, that's $14 million that the Canadians are giving him, 3.5 each. Um, the Montreal Canadiens are paying Joel Edmonston um, $14 million over the next four seasons, which is about $10 million too much, according to my model. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't doesn't shine favorably on so, this deal or Joel Edmondson. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind because Joel Edmondson is asked about what he thinks about analytics uh, mm-hmm. in in his uh, in his his press conference. And we'll we'll get to that right now with a special edition of They Said What. Much like when we had the Jake Allen edition a couple of weeks ago, this is going to be a Joel Edmondson edition of They Said What. And uh, this is quickly becoming one of our favorite segments on this podcast where we uh, have some clips to play. And Joel Edmondson in this conference call uh, was asked about, I mean, there's a familiar face in Montreal, a guy that he won a Stanley Cup with. And he also talked about coming to Montreal, playing with Shea Weber and Carey Price. So, yeah, this is uh, this is my third summer out in Kelowna, and, you know, all the hockey guys here, we all skate together. So uh, the past three summers, I've, I've seen uh, Carey and Shea uh, quite a bit, uh, especially around the rink. So, yeah, it's nice that I, I know them going into, going into Montreal, and, you know, they, they always say nothing but good things about Montreal. So very excited to join them. And, you know, when I got traded here, uh, Shea, Shea reached out, shot me a message. And like, like I said, I know, I know Weber, I know Pricer, I know my buddy Jake Allen from St. Louis. So it's nice that I have some familiar faces going in the dressing room. Um, a lot of those guys have reached out to me already. It just sounds like a genuine nice guy. Um, you know, he's out training in Kelowna the last uh, three seasons, so he's running into uh, Weber and and Price and uh, and and has a familiarity with them. And of course, 
Um, we have uh, both uh, Jake Allen and Edmondson with Stanley Cup rings from St. Louis. Yeah, I'm just going to toss this out there. Carl Alsner also a, seems like a very genuine and nice guy. Uh, not to not to link that. I'm just I'm just, I'm just talking about nothing. Um. <laughs> he uh, and and Alsner is. Yeah, Absolutely. he is a fantastic, fantastic. And he said the same thing when he was when he signed to Montreal. He did. He knew, you know, the, knew those guys. And uh, but Joel Edmondson, uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, works out a little bit better. <laughs> Joel Edmondson. Let's move on. Uh, his dad's family is French, so uh, they're Habs fans, and and he talked about that. I was very excited to get traded to Montreal. I wasn't expecting it at all, but it's been one of my family's favorite teams uh, for their whole lives. My dad's side of the family is French. Uh, the whole side of that family loves the Canadians. So it's not only a, a dream come true for me, but I think for my, my dad's side of the family also. I know my dad's super excited right now. You know, as soon as I got traded there, uh, I knew that they were very interested, and you obviously want to go to a team that really wants you. Like I said earlier, the Habs have always been a the Habs have been a, the favorite team of my family uh, for my whole life. My my dad's been a, a lifelong Habs fan, and the da- my dad's side of the family is is French, so they all love the Canadians, and you know it just, it just made sense. So it's a, it's a dream come true for me and also my family. Yeah, my dad's side of the family is is French Canadian. Um, you know, whenever I hear my grandma on the phone or someone, someone on that side of the family, they're all speaking French to each other. So I went to a French immersion school for my first nine years. So it's been, it's been a while since I've spoke French, but I'm, I'm definitely going to pick it back up, you know, give my grandma a call and try, try to pick it back up again. But I'd say it's a little rusty right now, but I'll definitely be able to pick it up again. It's nice to have so, an in-house yeah. tutor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for, for that. Um, oh, man. And and it's it's funny because um, he he said several times sound like he was repeating himself there that his family is French, um, but uh, it was like the media had a dog with a, was a dog with a bone you know <laughs> uh, once he said that they they were oh really um, and and uh, you know he's not from Quebec um, he's uh, his family is from uh, Saint Lazare uh, which is uh, northwest of Brandon where where uh, Joel grew up. Um, but, but that's a Franco Manitoban area and, uh, and Joel, uh, as he said, attended French immersion school for, for nine years. Uh, so it's, um, gee, I wonder if the Canadians knew that before that they went after Joel yeah. Edmonston. So his dad's side of the family is French. Is that what we're taking? Away? Yeah. Okay. They're French. All right. <laughs> good to know. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear that the first time, so it was a good thing it was the second and third. Uh, so one thing that Mark Bergevin, and, and this is something that we assumed when the deal was made and when it was agreed upon that it would be playing with the Montreal Canadiens for the next four years, the natural fit seems to be with Jeff Petrie, and Mark Bergevin indicated that it would be a second-pair role for Joel Edmondson. I like the way uh, the team's built right now. It's uh, a young team with a with a lot of speed and you know with the addition to me on the back end and you know you got Shea you got Shirai you got H3 uh, good size too and you know we can all skate on the back end so I like the way uh, the team's formed right now and I'm just I just can't wait to get it you know started up uh, I talked to Bergeron right after I got traded that's that's about it it was just a brief conversation and then our main focus was you know trying to get me signed which you know it only took a, a couple days and which I was happy about but you know I think he, he was talking about me playing with Petri Petri and then you know Sherrod and Webb first pairing so you know if, if I if that's the way it pans out I, I could be more excited 
you got Webb's on the back end. You got, in my mind, the best goalie in, in the world behind you. So little things like that to, just makes me really excited to, to join the team. He'll get Petrie's name right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll give him time. We'll cut him some slack on that. He does. He hasn't met the guys yet. <laughs> but I think that, uh, okay, we've, we've got it mapped out from Mark Bergevin. We've got Sherrod and Weber on the first pair, Edmondson and... I keep saying stun. It's not Edmund. Yeah. Uh, and Petrie. I'll get difficult. his name right. Uh, and Romanoff <laughs> uh, on the third pairing with someone. Uh, so we've mm-hmm. got five of the six slots uh, pretty well known, I think. Yeah, it, it looks that way. And I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the, like I said, this seemed to be, and this is what we said of Ben Chirot last year, that it seemed to be the natural fit that he would play with Petrie. It ended up being that he played mostly with Shea Weber. So now you have uh, Joel Edmondson, who is playing with Thanks. Jeff Petrie. <laughs> I had to make sure I said it right that time. I wasn't sure if I was going to uh, go to say it right. But moving on. So, as I said, Joel Edmondson has won a Stanley Cup. And obviously, as is any team's goal, looking to win another Stanley Cup uh, with the Montreal Canadiens now. Once all the celebrating's over with, you, you just want to get that feeling over again. So, you know, I just want to go out there and give give, give everything I can to, to win another one because that feeling is so special. And, you know, I'm hoping we can do that in, in Montreal, which, you know, I'm very excited about. I think we have a good team and uh, we're just getting better every year. So I'm looking forward to it and hopefully we can bring one back to Montreal, the 25th one. <laughs> The twenty fifth one. Yeah, you can tell he's from a from a Canadians <laughs> fan family, right? He yeah. knows he got that in there. You can't shave that one off. That one that's for the real Habs fans. You can't shave that one off. That's uh, you need to have it at twenty four. That is the correct number for any Montreal Canadiens fan, and he knows that. So he was very. <laughs> he's showing off. He's showing off that he is a Habs fan, yeah. and he does have that in him. <laughs> but so. The idea, and, and he already touched on this in one of the clips that we played, he's happy to sign with a team that wanted him. And the Montreal Canadiens, by trading away that fifth-round pick, to not have the, it was just the negotiation rights at, at first, so they didn't know they were going to have him for sure. They needed to get the deal done. They did, and Joel Edmondson, happy to be with a team that wanted him. You know, my main focus was, you know, go to free agency and see what teams are interested. But, you know, once they traded for me, uh, I realized, you know, they obviously, they really want me. Just, I took a, took a week to, you know, think about it. And, you know, I was very excited to, that we could get negotiating right away. And, you know, it just takes the stress off free agency now. And uh, I could be happier to be in Montreal. You know, once uh, Montreal acquired me, you know, my sights were just set on signing with Montreal. You know, um, I didn't need to, t- to test the market at all. I just wanted to, to sign with Montreal and get things going here. So um, I'm happy we were able to, you know, come to terms within a, a few days of, you know, being traded. There was a lot of talk when when the Canadians sent that fifth round pick to Carolina that uh, you know what what guaranteed that they had, and of course there was none uh, that he wouldn't go and test free agency. And um, but credit Mark Bergevin here that um, whether he knew or or whether it worked out in his favor that that meant an awful lot to Joel that that the team yeah. actually traded for him and this is all in the uh we'll remind everybody that there isn't a courting period anymore for uh in advance of free agency um so uh, you know maybe Mark Bergevin was uh not confident of his ability to convince um uh free agents to come to Montreal when there was 
It was a competitive environment with all the teams vying for free agents uh, so that uh, he bought himself exclusive no- negotiating period uh, in order to talk to uh, uh, Joel. And, and, and listen, it, it worked. Uh, yep. it, it signaled to, to uh, the player that the team wanted him. And, um, you know, his, his, plan, his plans had been to go to free agency and see what, what was offered. Uh, but that changed his mind right away when the trade happened. And I mean, that's the value, right? And that you have these draft picks. I mean, you're not going to use all of mm-hmm. them. And we know that on draft draft day, Mark Bergevin likes to shift around a little bit with those draft picks. So to use one of them to get, uh, to to remove all those other variables out of the picture and just have your own time to sort of get this deal done. Uh, that's yeah, a credit to Mark Bergevin, whether whether or not he knew that it was going to work out in his favor in this way, but. Uh, it certainly has. Um, and the last clip is one that you've already teased uh, <laughs> that sort of has gotten the attention of the hockey world. Uh, Joel Edmondson, not an analytics guy. For myself, I don't really look at analytics at all. Uh, I know a lot of people really dig into that. But for myself, I, I think I'm a, I can go into the dressing room. I'm a, I'm a fun guy in the dressing room. Again. But for myself, I think just going out there, being physical, being that presence that uh, you know you won't find in the analytics. Yeah, something that stats don't really show. I, that's what I can bring to the, the team. You know, I still felt like I was one of the younger guys in St. Louis because it, it was an older team. But my year down in Carolina, I went into that locker room and I was, you know, instantly one of the old, one of the older guys. So it was a, a new leadership role that I, I embraced, and I was just going to take that into Montreal dressing room. And you know, I, I hope they lean on me. Um, obviously, Jake Allen too. He's got he's got a ring. So no, I'm just looking forward to it, and I want to be a, a leader in the dressing room and on the ice. So analytics doesn't mesh, uh, measure your ability to be a fun guy, is what he, what yeah, he said. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. It certainly doesn't. Uh. But, <laughs> and I just, but more importantly, with the point he's making is it doesn't uh, measure your ability to be a leader. And he has declared, I want this team to lean on me. I want to be a leader uh, mm. on and off the ice. Uh, and and uh, that's important. And honestly, whether or not a player is an analytic darling or not, I think that's the mindset that players should have. I don't think players should concern themselves with analytics because if you're getting yourself concerned with analytics, I mean, yes, they are they're, they are extremely valuable. I don't want to discredit analytics in any way, shape, or form. They are, and, and they should be used when you are looking at who you want on your team. But at the same time, I don't think players should be concerning themselves with it. I mean, obviously, it's a metric that tracks... There are metrics that track that are incredibly valuable that they should pay attention to in in some way, but I don't think they should be involved that much. I think they should just go out there and do their job to the best of their abilities and let all the other things sort of fall where they may. And that's at least what I think about uh, sort of players and analytics. I think this is the, the right mindset to have for Joel Edmondson. Well, and the other um, piece is yeah. that we know that that, uh, and again, it's numbers. And uh, if you if you uh, choose a sweater number, you you carry the characteristics yeah. of everybody who's worn that sweater before you, right? Isn't that exactly how it works? exactly? So he's going to be their number one power play weapon now. Move over Shea Weber because <laughs> the second coming of Sheldon Surrey's in town. <laughs> Stefan Richet with number 40. Stephane yes, Richet, it was it was exactly. announced that that uh, he would be wearing number 44. Can't wear number 6, uh, obviously. No. Uh, so we have Stefan Richet, uh Sheldon Surrey and one uh, Roman Hammerlick also oh, yeah. wore 44. Yeah. Um and uh, 
wanted to mention the sweater number because you know who else wore 44 for the Montreal Canadiens the brief time they got in there? Who? Your buddy. Oh, he did. Bobby Farnham. Yeah. He did, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, 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 he did. Yeah. I forgot about that. That was, that was nice. We that was a nice get a memory. Bobby, we got to get a Bobby Farnham <laughs> tie-in in. Yeah, exactly. Like we said a couple of weeks ago, anytime we get a mention, we, we got to tie that in. But yeah, and, Bobby Farnham, he did and, wear number 44. And Jake Allen wearing 34. Yeah. Uh, following and, uh, Donald Dufresne and uh, Peter Popovic and, and Popovich. And uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. So we have the numbers sorted out, which is always, I mean, if you want to go out and get a Jake <laughs> Allen or a Joel Edmondson jersey or jersey or whichever whichever one you prefer, I mean, you can go out and get those now because they have their numbers decided. Uh, so, uh, moving on to some quick hits that all sort of have a tie-in with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Jim Montgomery has been hired as an assistant coach in St. Louis. Remember back to December, he was fired because he acted, quote-unquote, inconsistently with the core values and beliefs of the Stars in the NHL. That came from Jim Jim Nill, the general manager of the Dallas Stars. Um, and, and we soon found out after the fact that he had an issue with alcohol abuse He's been sober for nine months. Uh, just a remarkable story. Uh, and he says uh, he's a much better person, husband, father, son, to the people he cares about the most. And this ties in with the Montreal Canadiens, played with the Montreal Canadiens. He was born in Montreal. So fantastic news for Jim Montgomery here. It's a great story, a story of redemption, a story of second chances. And, and good on uh, the St. Louis Blues, uh, both Craig Brube and, and Doug Armstrong, for bringing him in, not only to give him a second chance, but... Um, Jim Montgomery is a terrific coach. He is. Um, and, yeah. and it must be hard for him looking at his Dallas Stars. Yeah. Um, who, um, Rick Bonus uh, has done a, a great job. Uh, love Rick Bonus. Um, and, uh, and he has a Canadian's tie too. Do you, his, yeah. His dad played uh, and is from Verdun. But, but anyway. Oh, that's, wow. Yeah, that's beside the point. <laughs> More Canadian's connection. Uh, but Jim Montgomery. Um, August 1994, Serge Savard traded Guy Carboneau to the St. Louis wow. St. Louis Blues for Jim Montgomery. Wow! Yeah, that's 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 a trade right there. <laughs> and it wasn't so long after that that Serge was uh, yeah was tossed. But anyway, that had nothing to do. Yeah. That was more to do with sending John Leclerc and Eric Desjardins. Uh, to Philadelphia, but anyway, yeah, that that one, that one, that one hurts a Mark little bit. Recky, yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to another former Montreal Canadian who has been hired as a as an assistant coach. Excuse me, uh, Manny Malhotra signed as has been hired as an assistant coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He played 58 games for the Habs in 2014-15. He retired in 2016 and joined the Canucks as a development coach. Was promoted to an assistant coach in 2017. Uh, and had been there for the past uh, three years, moving on to Toronto now. So uh, congratulations to Manny Malhotra. Now, uh, Manny Malhotra grew up as a, as a Bruins fan, so I have to ah. f- put that out there. But the rest <laughs> of his story is terrific. Um, it is. A terrific story. Um, his mother, Lise, is French-Canadian. His, his father, Shadi, is Punjabi. And they they were both chem uh, well um, pursuing a PhD in chemistries PhDs in chemistry. They met at Laval University. Um, so uh, Manny Malhotra grew up uh, speaking both English and French at home, 
And um, he was he surprised a lot of, of the journalists when he came to yeah. Montreal that that 2014-15 uh, season. Uh, you know, he came in as a fourth line faceoff specialist, and and uh, but his f- spoken French was very good. We always t- talk about uh, you know, there's not that many coaches out there uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. Manny Malhotra, and and uh, could he teach something about uh, faceoffs to uh, the current crop of centers? Um, yeah, um, maybe you know. he could. And and listen, he's overcome adversity. He had um, um, when he was playing for Vancouver, he oh, had a puck man. in the eye. He lost um, part of his vision in his left eye, but uh, carried on. And uh, uh, you know, was one of those veterans. Even when he came to to Montreal, for who was known for speaking his mind. And and uh, listen, he did a. Uh, um, he, he's he's be, uh, emerged and grown. As, as a coach and, and a great hire for uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, and I mean, he's being, he's looked at, I mean, in terms of at least former players, he's been looked at as a little bit of a, as a rising star in the coaching community yeah. as it pertains. So, I mean, a, a fantastic hire. You're absolutely correct. And yeah, one of my favorites. I loved when he played in 2014-15. I always had an affinity for those fourth line guys that you just, you know, throw out there on the penalty kill, win a face off. Yeah. Be nice with the Montreal Canadiens had one of them right about now. Uh, <laughs> that's not that's not asking for a whole lot. I guess they did have Nate Thompson. But anyways, moving on. I'm getting sidetracked. Another Canadians connection. Rick Dudley uh, named as the senior advisor to the new GM in Florida, uh, Bill Zito. Uh, so another Canadians connection with Rick Dudley. Tons of experience. And and listen, uh, I've sat beside a lot of guys in hockey and watched watch games and and talked whether they be scouts or or you know assistant gms or gms or uh rick dudley is hands down the smartest guy i've ever met in hockey he knows everything he sees the game differently than anybody else and uh was a smart hire for uh, mark bergevin to surround himself now the difficulty there is um, Mark Bergevin didn't uh, listen to a lot of, of the advice he was given in those early years by people like Rick Dudley. And Rick thought that, uh, you know, um, I'm not being uh, fully used here. I can go uh, and do uh, other things. And he, he w- was a big help uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I like him a lot. Uh, he was uh, a GM at one time in Florida, and so it's not a surprise to see him returning there. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, yeah, we, we have our Canadians connections here with, with three hires that were made this week. Uh, and there was another hire uh, by Florida. Uh, Bill Zito also announced uh, that uh, Blake Jeffreyon, uh, was ah, yeah. was hired as that. yeah as an assistant to the to the GM, and Blake Jeffreyon, um, yes, he is a Jeffreyon. He's the grandson of Boom Boom Jeffreyon. Uh, his father was Dan, and uh, he was playing for Nashville, involved in in the trade coming to the Montreal Canadiens, the Hell Gill trade, uh, and and it seemed to be a bit of a marketing thing, as then the Canadians <laughs> just. Uh, you know, peddled the three generations of Jeffrey on that had uh, had uh, played for um, the Canadians, and unfortunately, he had a, a, a serious injury and was yeah. forced to retire young. Uh, but again, an, another one of those rising stars, and and with Canadians connections, and I'm also in that Hal Gill trade. Uh, there was uh, Blake Hal Gill going to the to Nashville. It was um, 
Pierre Gauthier at the time that made the trade, yep. bringing back Jeffrey on um, a second round pick and Robert Slaney. Uh, Robert Slaney, who is uh, of Newfoundland fame, uh, ah, one yes. of the favorite sons of uh, of Newfoundland, and and so I thought uh, I'd make that connection as well. Yeah, you've got to, man. You got to make that connection. Any Newfoundland connection, any Bobby Farnham connection, you have to immediately tie it into the show. So there I appreciate that you did that. <laughs> so Rick, you talked about a move just now that we uh, that we're going to be getting into some of the moves that have been made by not Pierre Gauthier, but Mark Bergervan, the guy who uh, took over uh, in Montreal after uh, Pierre Gauthier's tenor, the tenure uh, as general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. So we're going to give our top five best and worst moves made by Mark Bergervan. So we'll get to that after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen19. And with me in studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. So, Rick, as I said off the top, this is a big topic segment that we have had on the back burner for quite a while it's going back to even before the bubble i think we had this sort we of had this idea we and tossed around yeah 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 we, we really wanted to do this uh yeah badly. and i think this is an appropriate time to sort of have a retrospective on mark bergevin given the fact that he's already made in this offseason you know um coming in on what eight years now of mark bergevin as general manager even more than that he's nine maybe in May second, twenty twelve was May, yeah. uh, was his inaugural date, and since yeah. then there have been ninety plus trades. Uh, I've lost <laughs> track of of how many exactly, and um, you know, 
over 100 players because there's multiple yep. players involved uh, in trades. Uh, so there's a lot of trades to yes. evaluate. And and we've talked about the trades that Mark Bergevin has a propensi- propensity to make. And they're ones that, you know, you look at, uh, we've talked about Brian Burke who says, well, you look at the trades he's made, he wins a lot of them. And it's because they're not huge moves. So it was a little bit difficult to find five significant enough moves in in both categories because there's just sort of a lot of things that are a little bit minor, not really significant in the way that have just sort of piled up. And uh, But anyways, uh, Rick, we, we have settled on, we have the five moves for best, the best five moves that he has made, and we agree on all five of them. Um, we might have them in a slightly different order, but my ranking, I guess, we'll sort of go with and we'll talk about each move. Yeah, and, um, and but yeah. I think that that um, we should, um, and, and we came upon that, Completely independently, we we yes, each did yeah. our, our 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 top five, and and I should say we're not restricting it to trades, yes. uh, because it's not the only thing a general manager does. Um, uh, uh, trades are are big and they're splashy sometimes, uh, but we we were also evaluating uh, signings, free agent signings. Uh, we're also evaluating uh, waiver pickups, all of those kinds of things. So anything that yeah. now uh, setting aside drafts, because that's the responsibility primarily of, of other people in the Canadians uh, case, it's Trevor Timmons and Shane uh, Churla and the, and the group of scouts. Um, even though Mark Bergevin, you know, imposed his yeah. will a couple of times on that, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll save that for another day. Yeah. Um, but going back to May 2nd, 2012, um, it was eight months before his very first trade, uh, January fourteenth, mm-hmm. twenty thirteen, and in that trade he sent a big defenseman for a little defenseman. I'm oversimplifying. It, <laughs> it, it's uh, Brendan Nash was traded to the Florida Panthers for Jason Desantis. Brendan Nash, big six three, two hundred five pound defenseman, played two games with the Habs, hundred one with the Bulldogs, uh, and has played in the Czech League the last few years. Uh, Jason DeSantis uh, never made it into the Canadians lineup. Uh, he's currently playing in Denmark, or at least more, wow. more recently. And it was another month after the January uh, date uh, before we got anything significant happening. And yeah. as you mentioned, um, a lot of these moves are, uh, you know, how do you evaluate them? Uh, but it was that first move, February 26, 2013, uh, trade deadline, Eric Cole traded to the Dallas Stars for Michael Ryder in a third round pick, yep. which became our good friend Connor Crisp. Um, and it went from there. And so now, um, we're, and we're, we're going to give um, Mark Bergevin credit. We're going to start with his best. And uh, just so happens that we agree on his five yep. best. And, uh, and you went the extra step of, of ranking those moves. Yeah. So I'm going to let you take the lead here. All right, so coming in at number five uh, was a move that was made in 2015, and I almost, I just want to say an honorable mention for one that I had on the list, but I immediately moved off. Uh, Rafael Diaz for Dale Weiss in 2014. <laughs> I, I had that in there because of something that, that's going to come up later, but regardless, I instead went with a 2015 second round pick and a fourth round pick. It was a conditional fifth, became a fourth. Uh, for Jeff Petrie, and that was obviously to Edmonton. Edmonton has Caleb Jones, who they selected with that fourth-round pick, who looks like he might be a good defenseman in the future. Um, and, and Jonas the- uh, Siegenhaller was used on that second-round pick. But regardless, to get Jeff Petrie, 
And even, you know, there have been times where he's been inconsistent over the last couple of years. I remember back to 2018, 19, the beginning of that season in particular, he was struggling a little bit. Um, but even in spite of that, even in spite of the times where he struggled, the things that Jeff Petrie has been asked to do, and I mean, and we talked about the pressure that might be on him as, I mean, for all of Shea Weber's strengths, the one thing you could say, he's not a puck moving defenseman. And Jeff Petrie's relied upon to be that puck moving defenseman for Montreal. I think that um, the acquisition of Shea Weber has has given cover for uh, Jeff Petrie yep. and allowed him to to flourish in that second pairing role where he doesn't have to be the guy. And uh, and we've seen that at times that uh, when he's asked to do that, it, it, it some good, some bad, a little inconsistent, yep. does too much. So I think. Um, that second pairing role has allowed him to flourish and he's been great and, and well worth the, um, you know, that was a, a second, as you said, and, and a conditional fifth that, that moved to a fourth, could have moved to a third, depending on if the Canadians had advanced further, but, uh, ended up being a second and a fourth and, and a, a great, uh, a a great trade for, uh, Mark Bergevin. Yeah. And then that was looked at at the time as being, um, you know, maybe a rental. He didn't really know. Uh, ended up signing a longer-term deal. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for Jeff Petrie and, and Montreal, I mean, they had that playoff run in 2015. They get eliminated by Tampa Bay. Uh, they missed the playoffs the next year. They're back in in 17, eliminated in the first round by New York. And it's only now that they've they've had three playoff runs. You, you obviously, I think at that point you thought when you signed Jeff Petrie, you might have been involved in the playoffs a little bit more than they have. It just hasn't worked out that way. But this past playoffs, huge production mm-hmm. from Jeff Petrie, big goals, uh, specifically against Pittsburgh, the OT winner, and then that one from that sharp angle that you still are trying yeah. to figure out how it went in. <laughs> he tried to do that, I think. Uh, but anyways, uh, and what huge you, production. What you didn't know at the time is you also get. A social, his son is a social media star yes. uh, in the package. Yep. <laughs> Who loves Nick Suzuki, he did. Uh, which we have found out. Yeah, and that's, that's right. awesome. <laughs> and the Great Ducks, for chemistry. And the, what was the team he Oh, likes? yeah. It was the, I think oh, it was the, the Ducks. Pan, no, the Panthers. It does Panthers, Panthers, right? It was the Panthers. Yeah. I knew it, was an, it, was, it had to be an animal one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but the Panthers, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, so moving on to the number four ranked trade that I have, and this is the reason why I had the Rafael Diaz for Dale Weiss as an honorable mention, because you get the production from Dale Weiss in 2014 in that playoff run, and he came up big uh, in that playoff run, challenged Milan Lucic, which not many people wanted to do at that time, if you remember back to then. Uh, and then you get another productive season out of him. Then 2015-16 happens. Carey Price gets hurt. Things go off the rails. You capitalize on that value and the value of Thomas Fleischman Trade him to Chicago for Philip Deneau and a second in 2018, which became Alexander Romanov, who is now one of Montreal Montreal's top prospects, mm-hmm. as we've talked about, figures to be the third pair defenseman on the left side uh, this season for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Philip Deneau, you've gotten incredible production out of him. Um, put him. Putting him into a role that maybe might be a little bit too high, but you've still gotten production out of him. Uh, that is a tidy bit of business by Mark Bergevin. Very good trade, and um, I, again, I, I don't want to. For the most part, we're we're only looking at the Mark Bergevin side, and and I don't like when I hear media 
and uh, yeah. and fans say, oh, Mark Bergevin fleeced him. Um, because those players served a role at the time, um, and uh, the prospects, you know, um, weren't figuring into their plans, and and so, um, you know, Chicago got what they want. Uh, the Canadians got a, a did what they were supposed to do, and that is make use of their position uh, or lack thereof uh, to uh, to to offload some players to a, a playoff bound team. Yeah, and uh, and capitalize at that point. I mean, Dale Weese. I remember the start of the fifteen sixteen season. He was he was fantastic in that in that opening stretch of the year. So, to capitalize on that is what you had to do, and and they did that, and they got a, a guy in Philip Deneau who at that point was more of a in the transition of becoming an NHL player and someone that was viewed as being a guy that you could have on your team going forward and get that second in twenty eighteen. Which uh, Trevor Timmons. I mean, remember back to twenty eighteen. Alexander Romanov was looked at as being a reach, as being mm-hmm. somebody that is like, this is a swing here for the fences by the Canadians, and it's worked out uh, to this point. He looks like he's going to be a really good defenseman uh, for a long time. So that's, that's uh, yeah, a, a great move, uh, u- utilizing the value of those two guys at a point where the Montreal Canadiens were not going to be competitive. Um, so moving on to number three, uh, we have our first non-trade. Number three is picking up Paul Byron off of waivers. Uh, I remember back to when he was placed on waivers by the Calgary Flames, and then you pick him up off the scrap heap, and he becomes a guy that scores 20 goals for you, and his speed is remarkable, and that's become sort of the foundation skill of the Montreal Canadiens, that they're all speedy forwards, and Paul Byron sort of is the epitome of that for the Montreal Canadiens, and he's just become obviously wore a letter for the Montreal Canadiens this year, too. He's somebody that has got some great value, and uh, the Montreal Canadiens have used and, and have gotten some great production out of, considering they gave up nothing to get him, and Mark Bergevin has lauded this as his greatest move as <laughs> general has. manager. We're not quite as kind as Mark Bergevin is, but a fantastic move nonetheless. For sure, and um, you know, Paul, uh, Paul Byron's been asked to play uh, above his uh, capabilities, and that's just given. You know, we talked about placeholders last last week. Uh, that uh, when you don't have uh, the players to fill the roles, you put guys in as placeholders. And and is Paul Byron a a top six uh, forward? No, of course he's not. But um, he can he can uh, play. Uh, you know, on the penalty kill, he can uh, be in the the bottom six. He can. Uh, look pretty good in uh, if a game goes to overtime or a shootout, and uh, so a, a very utilitarian type of player. Yeah, and I mean he looked, and and he talked about this uh, before uh, the playoffs started. He looked really good in the playoffs in that bubble. He looked fantastic, and he was somebody that talked about not really wanting to go and playing in it, but yeah. he still looked really good nonetheless. So. Uh, you get some production out of him in a playoff run that you didn't think you were going to have. And much like Jeff Petrie, uh, it just proves that that move uh, was very much a, a, a very much worth it. Obviously, in this case, you didn't give up anything to get him. So it might have just been worth it regardless. But <laughs> still a, a well, very good move. Well, yeah. um, there there's always there's always a consequence. And I yeah. and let's remind people that there was a consequence to that this move. And that consequence was stifling the the development of Jakob yeah. De La Rose. Him having made the roster at the last second, bringing in Paul Byron, sending uh, uh, Jakob De La Rose to uh, to the AHL team, and and 
um, it, it kind of led to the, it was the beginning of the end of, of his time, who's turned yeah. out to be a very serviceable player in uh, St. Louis. So there was yeah. a consequence, minor, but um, there still was. Exactly, yeah. And there's always that component of it, and we're going to get to more of that in the <laughs> in the worst category. But moving on to a trade that, uh, surprisingly, and, and this is to me, I remember back to this point when the Montreal Canadiens traded Max Pacioretty. I didn't know how much leverage they were going to have in that situation. I, did, I just didn't really know what to expect for a return. And the Montreal Canadiens, and, and listen, I, I don't know... If you're still of of the uh, of the mindset they should they should have kept Max Pacioretty and tried to win with Max Pacioretty, I don't know if if you've been swayed one way or the other because of this trade and the way that he's produced in Vegas. But they got Tomas Tatar for him, which at the time was thought to be just somebody to make the cap work and get the deal done. You had Nick Suzuki, who obviously was a well-respected, well, uh, you know, a guy that was viewed as being a guy that could be a top six forward in the NHL at that time. And you get a 2019 second round pick that the Montreal Canadiens on draft day 2019 traded to Los Angeles for a third round pick that became Matthias Norlander. And they also got a fifth round pick, which became Jacob Laguerre. So there's a lot of components of that move. The key ones to this point have been Tomas Tatar and Nick Suzuki. And Thomas Tatar, man, the way that he's played since he's been in Montreal has just been a revelation. Um, it Whether or not it equates what you gave up in Max Pacioretty, the fact you get him and Nick Suzuki, I think that makes this deal worth it. Um, but in retrospect, thinking back to where we were when this trade happened, I just didn't know what to expect to get. So anything was going to be a bit of a win for Montreal seeming... With, with the writing seeming like it was on the wall. This is a perfect example of what I was talking about earlier. Both sides got uh, exactly what they were looking for. Yeah. Max Pacioretty has been dynamic uh, as we know Max Pacioretty can be. And and listen, he got a bad rap in his last uh, you know, period of time with, with Montreal and was kind of rudely ushered out, and that was very unfair. He was a good captain. He was a good producer for the Montreal Canadiens, and he's been great in, in Las Vegas, exactly what they wanted. Um, and they always say, if you, you know, you get the, uh, whoever the best player is in the trade, you've won the trade. I say it was relatively even because both yeah. teams got what, what they wanted. Um, and for Las Vegas, they also did what they wanted to do. And that was protect Cody glass. He was their top prospect still is, um, he's going to be a very good one. And uh, the the consolation prize was Nick Suzuki, and for Montreal, it's been a great consolation prize. Nick Suzuki yep. is is uh, on his way to being uh, either the 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 first or second line center of the Montreal Canadiens next season. He was great in the in the playoffs. Uh, Thomas Tatar, as you s- said, was has been a revelation in the regular season. He's we we confirmed what Las with Las Vegas already knew. Thomas Tatar is not a playoff performer. He was terrible yeah. in the playoffs. However good he's been in the regular season, we watched in the playoffs. That's why uh, that's why he wasn't used in in uh, Vegas, and that's why he was uh, ended up being traded. Um, He's just not a playoff guy. And uh, the bonus is uh, Matthias Norlander looks like a really good 
player, and and we've seen that already uh, as uh, he's he's got some games under his his belt uh, overseas. Yeah, so I mean, on, on all fronts, I think that this was a this was a good move for the Montreal Canadiens, c- considering where they were, both parties. Montreal and, and, and Max Pacioretty, it felt like it was time for them to move on, and, and they did, and, and, and Mark Bergevin got back a pretty nice haul uh, for his captain, and the Vegas Golden Knights, as you said, got Max Pacioretty, who is the best player involved in this trade. Nick Suzuki might say something about that later on <laughs> down the line, but we don't know yeah, what, yeah. what that's going to be like. So for now, you'll say that Vegas got exactly what they wanted uh, in, a, in a guy like Max Pacioretty. And moving on, to the move, the defining move, I think, of Mark Bergevin's legacy. I don't think that's something uh, outlandish to say. Uh, it is the move that you think about. And I'm just going to interrupt you here. Yeah. Because this is a, a listener note, uh, and I'll direct it to one listener, and that's our dear friend who sends me multiple emails <laughs> and texts, and I enjoy getting every one of them. Uh, but Dino, Le Petit Bill uh, in the Ottawa area, please put your mute button on right now because you're not going to want to hear what we have to say. He is the biggest P.K. Subban fan in the world, and he yeah. hopes someday that uh, uh, Subban will return to the Montreal Canadiens. So for what we're about to say, uh, just mute us for a minute or so and then come back. Yeah, um, P.K. Subban for Shea Weber is the trade that defines Mark Bergevin yeah. and will define Mark Bergevin. Um, and in whatever he does, even if he moves on from Montreal, you will remember Mark Bergevin as the guy that traded P.K. Subban for Shea Weber. And remember back to the time, and a lot of the things, I mean, we talked about Joel Edmondson. The analytic community was not on Montreal's side with this trade. They just did not like it. And things have turned out, to look favorably for the Montreal Canadiens because Shea Weber has aged much better in spite of injuries. And, and injuries are something that you can't really control. Um, he's had to deal with ankle and knee problems and things of that nature. But when he's been in the lineup, he has been a leader for the Montreal Canadiens in every sense of the word. That slap shot, uh, P.K. Subban, listen, as exciting as and, and dynamic as he was, there are things that Shea Weber does on a night-to-night basis that P.K. Subban never did and never will do. And that is, unfortunately, the reality of the situation. That is why you make that move. And that is why I commend Mark Bergevin for having the foresight to make that move. Um, it's just been that you get a guy like Shea Weber, and the last four years have been incredible to watch him and how he handles his business, even when the Montreal Canadiens are competitive and of course, there's been periods of time where he's out of the lineup, but he is just a professional. He is a captain. He's a leader. And the Montreal Canadiens gained a fantastic player. They had to give up a, a superstar talent, someone that was viewed in that way. Um, and Nashville had a run in 2017. But clearly things have moved in a way that haven't been so favorable to P.K. Subban. Uh, New Jersey hasn't looked great for him. Um, and, and maybe he needs a fresh start. But Shea Weber has just been a steadying force ever since he arrived. This is, uh, this is the home run for uh, Mark Bergevin. This is his best trade. It was a hockey trade. And where Mark Bergevin gets himself in trouble, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, is when other factors, uh, when he doesn't make a hockey trade. This was a, a bold move, obviously, because P.K. Subban, being a fan favorite, 
Uh, but P.K. Subban was also um, uh, divisive in the, in the locker room, and we've heard that in, uh, that's existed in Nashville as well, and then uh, followed him to uh, New Jersey. Uh, P.K. Subban is about P.K. Subban. He talks a lot about his brand. He talks a lot about uh, who he is and who he wants to be. Uh, and Shea Weber is the polar opposite. He is... Um, and, and let's not diminish what he does on the ice. He's, he's uh, productive offensively and has outproduced yep. P.K. Subban at times, but he remains, if you talk to uh, NHLers, you talk to coaches, he remains one of the most difficult players to play against in the National Hockey League. He is fierce on, on, uh, on the ice, and, and forwards do not want to go up against uh, Shea Weber. Uh, people talk about him being slow, or he's 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 not. He's smart. He does yep. his job. He punishes people. And in addition, uh, the Canadians got uh, the leader uh, that they needed. Uh, uh, Mark Bergevin talked about um, Carey Price and Shea Weber being the leaders of this team, um, the core of this team, and they will be going forward. And uh, Full credit to to uh, Mark for for making this this uh, difficult move, and uh, he's had to endure some abuse, but it was the right move, and yeah. uh, and and as I said, a hockey trade. And if you're if you're a Habs fan, I think you have to hope that uh, he ages like Zdeno Chara, who I mean, you know, looked at in a bit of a similar way, is difficult to play against, not necessarily fleet of foot, but somebody that can be back there because you want Shea Weber back there for Montreal as long as you can have him. And if that's into his 40s, then that'd be fantastic. (laughs) But moving on, we've talked about the best trades, the best moves, rather, for Mark Bergevin. Uh, It's time for us to look at the opposite end of the spectrum. And, Rick, we have have five different moves, so we'll go back and forth on this. I'll start with my number five, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'll go with a move that was agreed to but never actually became official. And if that that might not make sense, but it will when I say what it is. The Sebastian Ajo offer sheet was a contract that was signed and agreed to, but did not become official because he was a restricted free agent and Carolina had the right to match. And I was thinking about saying Nick Cousins, signing Nick Cousins last year, and there was no space left for Ryan Paling. And then I was like, oh, wait, no. The Montreal Canadiens almost got Sebastian Ajo last year. That was a thing that happened, right? I should include this in the worst things that Mark Bergevin um, the worst things that he's done because it wasn't a really full attempt at trying to get Sebastian Ajo. And if they wanted to make it a little bit competitive and make Carolina think about it for just a little bit longer than they did, they could have gone to the next tier of offering two sec, uh, two firsts, a second and a third, rather than just the tier below that where it's just a first, second and third. Because at the end of the day, and I've said this, when, the, when they tried this last year, and I'll say it again, it's not the try league, it's the get it done league. And for Mark Bergevin, you needed to go into this with the idea that whatever you threw at them, Carolina was likely going to match it. So this just, this wasn't a great attempt at doing this. It was the thing that you should have done. You just should have done it a lot better. <laughs> yeah, it was really weak. It was it showed desperation, pathetic kind of uh, offer. And um, it uh, it it pissed off a lot of um, any regardless of what is said publicly. I can tell you that 
uh, it wasn't looked favorably. Um, and so if you're going to put yourself in that kind of light, uh, then, then you better do it well. And it was done as poorly as, as you can imagine. Um, it, it was, it was very weak. Yeah. And I mean, uh, and I said to you, a lot of the things that I look at as being the worst from Mark Bergevin's tenure are things that he hasn't done. And uh, in this case, you get a very tangible example of one thing that he didn't really do, and that was table a competitive offer sheet uh, that Carolina would have to think about uh, for longer than, than 25 minutes. Uh, Rick, where, where did you land on your number five or your ranking of the five worst? Yeah, um, I, I'm, I looked at mine chronologically, so, um, and I'll mention uh, out of those which one I think was the worst, but uh, chronologically... Uh, it happened uh, in January of 2016, and um, it was when uh, Mark Bergevin traded Jared Tenority and Stefan Fournier to the Arizona Coyotes for Victor Bartley and John Scott. Um, and I, it's, we were we were just flabbergasted by this move because it, on paper it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, you're trading Jared Tenority, a, a first round pick for a buffoon like John Scott. Um, and it, it didn't make any sense at all. And then we saw that it had to do with uh, the league messed up and, uh, and John Scott somehow um, from Twitter got, got voted into the All-Star game. And it seemed like Mark, Mark Bergevin was trying to do the league a favor by uh, trading for him and then sending him to the AHL so he wouldn't be eligible for the All-Star game. As it turned out, because of the optics, he ended up going to the All-Star game anyway. And the whole thing was a giant circus and well below the dignity of the Montreal Canadiens to get involved in such a, a mess. Um, and, you know, many said, oh, well, they're, you know, uh, Mark Bergevin was doing a favor, so he'll get uh, good treatment from the league or another favor from Arizona. It didn't happen. Uh, John Scott was a poor influence to, uh, and I know everybody loves the story. He didn't belong at the All-Star Game. He didn't belong in St. John's. He was a poor influence on the prospects. Um, and it was, as I said, to start a circus, a terrible, terrible move, black eye on the Montreal Canadiens brought by uh, Mark Bergevin participating in this farce. Yeah, I mean, really, at the end of the day, doing the NHL's bidding, doing Gary Bettman's bidding by taking him and trying to get him out of that All-Star game, even though at that point uh, the writing was on the wall. He was going to be involved. Uh, it just it was going to happen. So, uh, yeah, not, not a great move there. Um, moving to number four for me, I have re-signing Antti Niemi and signing Keith Kincaid. Really, I mean, you can look at it, and you talked about You went through all of the guys, whether it's Peter Budai, Dustin Tokarski, uh, Mike Condon, Ben Scrivens, Al Montoya. Uh, now, uh, with Antti Niemi and Keith Kincaid, you move to Jake Allen. The backup goaltending spot in particular, and the goaltending, the way that things have happened, because you talked about when you went out and you get Paul Byron, that affects Jakob De La Rose, and Jakob De La Rose isn't able to develop and, and, and sort of come to the NHL at the point in time where it looked like he was ready and it stifled his development. Um, the handling of the backup goaltender role and the goaltenders in this organization in general has been one of the worst things that Mark Bergevin has done because there are points where you are you have seen that Charlie Lindgren 
is prepared to be the backup goaltender. And that's been, he's shown that in 2016, 17 at the, uh, um, excuse me, at um, 2017, 18, at the beginning of that season in the fall of 17, when Carey Price wasn't playing, Trevor Lingren steps in between the pipes and he delivers you a couple quality starts. He's done that time and time again. When he's, whenever he's been given an opportunity, he stands there and he does his job to the best of his ability. He's been prepared for that opportunity for the past few years but they haven't given it to him. So what does that mean? Well, that means this year when you sign Keith Kincaid, after you had Antiniemi and you you finally, he, he could go and you didn't have him anymore, you go and you sign Keith Kincaid, well, that means that Charlie Lindgren has to go back to Laval, which means that Caden Primo, also fighting for creased time and development in Laval, doesn't get as much time as he should. And then Michael McNiven is just sort of thrown out wherever he can get time to play at all in the ECHL it's just been a complete mess and this has been something that I've complained about the handling of this specific role because there have been plenty of times and I talked about Nick Cousins that signing and how you had Ryan Paling score three goals in the shootout winner the final day of your season in 2018-19 and it's like okay he's ready he's ready for the nhl him and nick suzuki they're both there you sign nick cousins there's only one spot that they're both fighting for and it just felt like this is the prime example of mark bergevin continuing to stifle the development of his young players and uh with anti um the canadians uh plucked him off the scrap heap in, yep. in the 2017-18 season. And somehow with, you know, chicken wire and binding tape, they, they managed to, and Steph, the work of Stefan Waite, and I'll credit him there, they managed to, uh, uh, Antiniemi won a lot of games he shouldn't have won, and he, yep. he had a pretty good record uh, that season um, and didn't look very good doing it. And we said, oh, for God's sakes, you, 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 you dodged a bullet. You brought him in, he worked out, and you dodged a bullet. Yeah. Now, please, whatever you do, don't sign him. Don't re-sign him. And that was the move, re-signing him uh, in the offseason of 2018, that is the, uh, was a terrible move, and I agree with you there. Then the, the following season, uh, not learning anything from the year before, they go and, they go and sign uh, on July 1st, 2019, Keith Kincaid and, and uh, has continued that mess of, uh, that we talked about earlier. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I fully agree with you. And, and those two, uh, both uh, Niemi and Kincaid, um, ended up on my uh, worst list as well. Yeah. So, Rick... Where did you land? I mean, is there anything you'd like to talk about with respect to like to add in that respect before I move on to number three? I'm just going to add there. Um, if you're looking at offseason moves, if you're looking at signings, um, we have we have three in a row. We have 2017, yeah. 2018 and 2019. I've mentioned 2019 was Kincaid. Uh, 2018 was the re-signing of Niemi. 2017 a horrible signing in Carl Alsner, five years, yeah. 23, more than $23 million. And that has been a disaster, an absolute disaster that's still hanging around Mark Bergevin's neck uh, for this year and next. It's, um, well, for the upcoming year and, and next. And uh, this has nothing to do with Carl Alsner. No. Uh, he's, been, he's been a nice guy. He's been great. He's been professional. He's been a mentor in, in Lavelle. 
but it was a it was a bad decision uh, by Mark Bergevin and and his pro st- scouting crew. Yeah, and I mean, I think you talked about not putting drafts on there. I think you could put the 2013 draft in that sort of category as being one of the worst of Mark Bergevin's tenure. You could put the 2017 offseason, its entirety, in that mix. That was not a great offseason for Mark Bergevin. The way that he handled the negotiations with Alexander Radulov, which, by the way, should be a move that we just talked about as being one of the best made by Mark Bergevin. The fact that they don't re-sign him, that leaves a bitter taste in your mouth because you've seen what he's continued to do you made the risk. You were the one that put your name on that and said, we're signing this guy to a contract one year, more than $5 million. You got to cash in on that and get the deal done and re-sign him, bring him back into the fold. They don't. And that's why it's not a part of it. The way they handled that negotiation in 2017, the way they handled Andre Markov in 2017, that was awful. You sign Carl Alsner, who I think has been given a rough ride in Montreal. I think that he should have been playing in the NHL um, rather than being in the AHL. I think that he's shown uh, there was a point last year where he's shown that he was a better option than Jordy Ben. They didn't go with him because he had some some issues with Claude Julian. And, and of course, I know that the, the cap isn't pretty. The cap hit is certainly not pretty with Carl Alsner. But yeah, not not a great offseason for Mark Bergevin in 2017. Um, but I'm going to make, I'm going to talk about a defenseman that the Montreal Canadiens traded in 2014. Uh, And listen, in 2014, I think, and for me at least, and for many others, the perception of Mark Bergevin was, well, he can do no wrong. He stepped in, you know, he, yes, look at what he, look at what he started with. I know, but the Montreal Canadiens were first place in 2013. They had a rough go of it in the playoffs, but 2014, they make the playoffs, they get to the conference finals, and if not for Carey Price having his knee blown out by Eric Kreider, by God, they could have won the Stanley Cup. So the the excitement for me entering 2014-15 was, okay, let's run this back. Let's get all these guys back into the fold. Let's try to go for a Stanley Cup. This is a good thing. This is going to be great. And they start off, one of the first things they do in the offseason, trade Josh Georges. Trade Josh Georges for a second round pick, which is going to become important later. But they traded Josh Georges, who was a guy in that locker room who was so well respected, who ultimately, I mean, and no disrespect intended to Brian Gianta, but I mean, if you look, if I remember back to watching like 24 CH at that time, and Josh Georges was a tremendous leader for that team, a very vocal guy in that room, and somebody that we've talked about with respect to Brendan Gallagher taking on a mentoring role there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh Georges was just fantastic in the locker room, and when he stepped on the ice, he was a guy that you knew exactly what you were going to get out of, and maybe he wasn't a guy like Joel Edmondson that the analytic community is going to shine on and, and, and look at favorably. But for me, Josh Georges, for all of the things that P.K. Subban, he was dynamic and skilled and did all these great things, a little bit of a disaster in his own end. And Josh Georges was a guy that after Hal Gill had been traded, as you talked about, he was the guy that was tasked with playing with P.K. Subban. And I think he did a really good job of that and obviously led the league in block shots a couple years, plus minus. Other years, I mean, listen, he's he was just a guy you knew what you were going to get out of. And trading him at that point in time, what it asked Alexi Emelin to do was to 
take on a bit of a different role than he had become accustomed to play on the side that he was not as comfortable playing on, which was weird. It was his left side, not his right. But regardless, it just sort of I it didn't sit well with me at the time that trade and it certainly didn't when it became that the second round pick he got in exchange for him wasn't even a pick the Montreal Canadiens got to use. And we're going to be getting to that a little bit later. But for me, I, I just I really did not like this move. And regardless of what happened after Josh George's left, I, I think that Josh George's was a guy that loved playing in Montreal. And I think that he said that pretty, pretty mm-hmm. bluntly. He loved playing in Montreal. I don't know if the things that happened in Buffalo really apply if he were to be in Montreal for 2014-15. If he was there, if he was around, I think he probably has a better season that year and the years that happened after that. I, I just I, I didn't like the move. Well, we remember how much um, Josh Georges loved playing in Montreal. He turned down a trade to Toronto yep, Maple to Leafs. the Maple Leafs. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's what the Canadians meant to him. Um, and, you know, the word most associated with Brandon Gallagher is warrior. Um, but And part of that, I, I guess, came naturally because of how he played, how he um, learned to play. But but the the prototypical warrior was Josh Georges. And Josh yep. Georges had a significant impact on on Brendan Gallagher. Josh Georges as you said, he'd do anything. He was he was a shot blocker. He was the guy who would uh, step in and stand up for his teammates and get pummeled because he wasn't wasn't yeah. a fighter and but he he was an absolute warrior and a huge presence in the uh, in the dressing room. Yeah, and and really and and this even though it it turned into something else which we'll be getting to later. They essentially traded away Josh George's for nothing. They just traded to get rid of him at the end of the day. They didn't get to use the second round pick they got. They shifted that off in a separate move. And for me, I mean, it just, yeah, it, it hurts knowing that he loved playing in Montreal and he didn't want to go to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He wanted, he just, he just couldn't, he couldn't do it. And, and that's something that I think speaks volumes about uh, Josh George's. But uh, Rick, what, what, what do you have next on your on your list of the five worst moves. Well, um, uh, runner up, and this one was pretty bad. It's, it's almost my worst, but, but not quite. And, and that is, uh, the trade for Andrew Shaw. And, um, and earlier that day, this came in, uh, on June 24th, 2016, um, kind of in the same breath, Lars Eller was traded for, uh, to the Washington Capitals for two second round picks, uh, late picks, late picks in 2017 and 18, uh, number 58 and 62. And the Canadians uh, then traded their own 2016. They had two early round picks. Uh, they traded to the Chicago Blackhawks for Andrew Shaw. And it was a move I hated at the time. I still hate. And I think one of Mark Bergevin's um, uh, uh, you know, it, it could have worked out so much dif- differently, and he um, he didn't allow his good people to do what they do best. In trading a second-round pick, the number 39 pick, that turned into Alex DeBrincat. In trading uh, the number 45 pick, that turned into Chad Chris. Uh, however, uh, for Chicago... Uh, when Trevor Timmons was interviewed, his list, the two players he would have taken and who were available at the time uh, were Alex Debrinkat. Uh Instead of Andrew Shaw, uh, could you have imagined uh, Alex Debrinkat joining the Montreal Canadiens and Samuel Girard, 
um, who uh, fit so many of the the check boxes. Trevor Timmons would have used those second round picks, and certainly the Canadians would be far further ahead uh, with DeBrincat and and Girard than than Andrew Shaw the short time that he spent in Montreal. Yeah, and and this this is my worst. That is my worst move made by Mark Bergevin, in my opinion. Um, and it has nothing to do with Andrew Shaw. I, I like Andrew Shaw. I liked Andrew Shaw when he's with the Montreal Canadiens. I have nothing against him. But to trade two second-round picks that turned into guys who, well, obviously one of them wasn't used to draft Samuel Girard, but Trevor Timmons saying that he would have used that pick to draft him. You could have had Samuel Girard and Alex DeBrincat. And that, to me, is... That's 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 honestly, I mean, that, I think that's one of the more depressing things that you could say to a mm-hmm. Montreal Canadiens fan. You look at that left side of the defense, how much better, how many of your problems are gone by having Samuel Girard to move the puck, to play a solid game. That to me is, and Alex Dabrinkit, not to say nothing of him, he is incredibly dynamic and looks to be like one of the better, was going to be one of the better players in Chicago whenever the, the sort of, they turn the page He's going to be a, a key fixture in, in that sort of rebuild for the Chicago Blackhawks whenever that whenever that actually happens. So to me, I mean, to, to trade, and like I said, Josh George's was traded for a second-round pick that was used in that deal, and uh, it became Andrew Shaw, but you didn't have Andrew Shaw for very long, and you flipped him to more of a cap dump than anything else. I mean, it, it, it just, yeah. For various reasons, the initial Josh George's trade in 2014 did not sit well with me, and that was because you also didn't get to use that second-round pick, and that would have been uh, a little bit uh, a little bit better if you got to actually take a guy and have a young, exciting prospect. So, Rick, uh, my that was my number one, which you just said. So I'll I'll go to my number two, my runner-up here, mm-hmm. which is Jonathan Drouin acquired in exchange for Mikhail Sergachev. And yeah, uh, the reason this is not my number one, and I'm going to say this because this, as you already noted, this is not a hockey move. This was not a hockey move in the traditional sense. Yes, Jonathan Drouin was somebody that had a bit of a, of a you know, a, a, a high ranking about him, the way that he was looked by uh, looked at by some general managers, and of course, Selected third overall, uh, obviously a talented player, but things have not worked out the way that you wanted them to. And the problem with this trade from a hockey perspective is that it left a gaping hole on that left side of the defense. And that's something that as a general manager, you need to be cognizant of what you are leaving when you make these trades. And in 2017, I don't know if we look back at this trade as being as bad as it is if the 2017 offseason goes better or goes differently and you bring back Andre Markov and I understand Markov was aging at that point but just to have something to bridge the gap a little bit because Mikhail Sergachev obviously is going to be a great player in this league for a long time is already paying off paying huge dividends for the Tampa Bay Lightning Um, but the reason this isn't at my number one trade is because my number one worst trade is because there were other aspects here, and in those aspects, this trade has worked out for Mark Bergevin because he wanted to get a guy, a marketable French guy, and he got that guy. And whether or not it works out on the ice, I don't know how much of, 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 of a hockey perspective, of a hockey decision this was, and that's why I don't know if I can rank it as the worst one. I think a pure, purely the worst trade that he's made 
is the Andrew Shaw one because that, 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 that might set back the organization. And I think it already has set back the organization a couple of years. The Drew Ann for Sergachev trade, I think, is, is, a, is an awful trade. But in the aspects that are not related to hockey that Mark Bergevin made this move for, it has worked out. And, and on the ice, there's been times where Drew Ann's been effective, but that hasn't been as much as the times where he's been ineffective. Yeah, I, I think this was uh, a disastrous trade and disastrous trade for Mark Bergevin and for the organization and for the reasons that you said, that this was not a hockey trade at all. Um, that this was um, a, a ploy by, by Mark Bergevin to uh, bring in... Uh, now, remember, Duran was supposed to be uh, the solution for the number one center role for the Montreal Canadiens. Yes. He was also supposed to be the the solution for the francophone hero. And um, in my mind, yes, he's he has a certain appeal, uh, but he's been an absolute uh, bust as as far as both you know he he's not a center um, he's he's not been a, a lived up to uh, the position of a hero um, and you know uh, we can go through and 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 uh, you weigh each trade did Mark Bergevin weigh uh, you know uh, win this or not win this and that's not the way to evaluate hockey trades it's if you move the needle if you've you've made um, uh, your your puzzle. If you filled the the uh, the needs, and Jonathan Duran hasn't done any any of that, bringing him in and putting him into that role, and yes, he's he's uh, attracted the uh, the Frank the Frankphone market, but uh, even the media was uh, calling for Jonathan Duran to be uh, traded um, as the season went on because it wasn't a good season for him. The playoffs were a disaster for Jonathan Drouin until the last, you know, uh, call it, evaluate it differently, but he had maybe one, maybe two games where he played well, uh, and a bunch of, uh, kind of, uh, uh, after the fact, uh, secondary assists, uh, and looked good in the last game with Nick Suzuki, more Suzuki than Drouin. Um, and 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 kind of came out a bit smelling like a rose, even though uh, he had such a terrible season and 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 a bad playoff up until that point. Uh, but when you look at Mikhail Sergachev and and how dynamic he's been and effective he's been for Tampa Bay, um, you have Tampa Bay uh, who has both Sergachev and Ryan McDonough, uh, who are who are killing it in in their. Uh, uh, defensive ranks and and you maybe those trades are on par. The disaster that was uh, you know Ryan McDonough for Scott Gomez and uh, Mikhail Sergachev for Jonathan Duran. Duran uh, likes to compare himself to uh, Nathan McKinnon. He's not anywhere yeah, in the no. same hemisphere. Um, and whether he's more on the Alexander Daig bus track. Um, I, I don't know, but, but by doing so, um, you know, Mark Bergevin created this huge hole on the left side of the defense that he was never able to, uh, fix. And, um, and it's, it, it, it just set the organization back in trying to pander, uh, to a certain segment of, of, uh, of Habs fans. Um, it's, it's, it's sad, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a disastrous trade and both trades, uh, however we ranked them, 
have had a major impact negatively for uh, Mark Bergevin and the Canadians. And the thing is, too, if, if Jonathan Drouin is even a 60-70 point guy, not the 90 point guy that he likes to compare himself to in Nate McKinnon, but if he's a 60-70 point guy, you could look at this trade even a little bit better than you are. But because he hasn't been that, he's been a mid-50s point guy, that doesn't move the needle. And certainly not when you're back, your, your, your blue line, the left side of your blue line has just been in, in utter shambles because you traded away a guy without being aware of, of your situation. And it forced that this indirectly affected a lot of different guys. The one guy that it affected most, Victor Mete, because Victor Mete had to be thrusted into a role that he wasn't ready for. That's right. And that's a problem, right? You don't, you think about the guys that have been stifled. You also think about the guys that have been asked to do far more than they should be being asked to do far earlier than, than they should be. So for me, I, I think, yeah, for, for all the reasons that you mentioned, I mean, this has just not been a trade. And you consider the fact, too, I mean, in 2016-17, you still had Alex Galchenyuk. You shifted him off for Max Domi, but you had him. You had Max Pacioretty. You had Alexander Radulov. I already talked about that. You didn't bring him back. You had guys up front you needed blue liners and you make this move and just from a roster construction standpoint which is something you need to consider as a general manager just didn't make much sense um but rick i've already talked about my worst trade and we've talked about our worst trades for mark bergevin (laughs) worst moves transactions they're not all trades but uh, rick with all that said uh we'll take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. 
Welcome back to episode 102 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. So, Rick, we had quite the segment just then, uh, talking about our five best and worst moves made by Mark Bergevin. Do you feel and, better? Uh, I feel better. I feel better. That yeah, was cleansing. Too. It was therapeutic. Yeah, it was. It was needed that. Um, and, you know, obviously, when you make these types of moves, you make a move, you want to be it. You want to make it because you want to get to a Stanley Cup final and potentially win a Stanley Cup. And right. Stanley Cup finals get going tonight. And it's it, it feels weird to say that here in September, September 19th, to have a Stanley Cup final getting underway. But here we are. And the Tampa Bay Lightning going to be taking on the Dallas Stars. And that's going to be a very interesting matchup. You mentioned uh, Rick Bonus. Uh, he, he coached alongside John Cooper on Tampa Bay staff that's for a couple good. of years. Mm-hmm. So, man, this is going to be There's a lot of different dynamics here. And it's going to be really interesting. Some great stories. Uh, and, and listen, Dallas, uh, maybe Tampa Bay expected to be there. Dallas... Uh, knocking off uh, the Western favorite in Vegas. Uh, they've earned their way there, and uh, this this should be a great series. Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, you've got to be excited about this. And, I mean, uh, Tampa Bay is a team that since 2015, I mean, they've been knocking at that door. They had a year that was lost to, you know, injuries, and, and 2017 wasn't a great year either. And they just had a rough go of it to get back to this point. But, but here they are, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. It's, it's not always going to be a sunshine and rainbows. There's peaks and valleys. And even for a team that's been constructed as well as they have, they needed to go through some valleys uh, to get back to this peak. And I think they're at a, a great form here uh, with, with respect to who they have in the fold now that wasn't there five years ago. That's right. So uh, I'm going to be really ex- excited to see this and see how it turns out for the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars, who have been a tremendous story. But, Rick, uh, we have uh, some interesting news here. Uh, in that we have been, uh, there's a new podcast platform that you can catch us on. We're we're everywhere. We try yeah. to be everywhere to make it easy for you to listen to us. So um, obviously, if you listen to um, iTunes or, or Apple Podcasts, uh, we're there. And a lot of our vis- uh, listeners find us that way. Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, um, uh, and 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 all the others. Uh, we're, we're everywhere. But... Uh, Someone else uh, entered into, a big name entered into the podcast uh, field and launched this week, uh, Amazon Music. Uh, Amazon Music, lots of people use it to get their their music, and and, uh, uh, they launched uh, their podcast uh, stream, and uh, we're we're there right out of the gate. Our our Rocket Sports Radio podcast uh, launched uh, with uh, Amazon Music, and uh, so you can find the Canadians Connection on Amazon Music. You can find uh, the Press Zone on uh, Amazon Music. And all you have to do is uh, you can even use the voice prompts and ask Alexa, uh, Alexa to help you with that. Alexa, <laughs> play the Canadians Connection podcast. And there we are. Uh, just another way we're trying to uh, make it easy for you. So help us. And that is uh, by subscribing, by following, uh, by recommending, by rating us. And that helps other people uh, find uh, the Canadians Connection podcast too. Absolutely. And it's great to be on another platform where you can find us and we can connect with you as we do here every week on the Canadians Connection podcast. And Rick, like you said, 
I don't know if you're going to want to miss an episode because you don't know what's going to happen. We could have another Joel Edmondson situation if I'm going to get out my crystal ball now there and have go. my turn. You don't know what's going to happen in the next week. There could be something to talk about like Joel Edmondson again. And we have the draft and we have free agency coming up. We have a Stanley Cup final that's getting underway tonight. Just seems like it's it's the perfect time to have a hockey podcast and talk about all of these things. And that's what we do here on the Canadians Connection podcast. So thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. We'll be right back with you next week. Until then, thank you. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.